you are listening to the Savage Fincast, episode 28. First Fincast in a bold new direction. Chicago. A criminal mastermind called Overlord held our city in his terrifying grip. Ordinary cops were losing the battle against Overlord's super freaks and mutants. Then, a miracle happened. When I found him, he had no memory of his past. I helped him find an identity and a life. Now we have a fighting chance. Now we have the dragon. This is the Savage Fincast, the show that is fashionably late. I am Jim Purcell. I'm Craig Olson. And with you, as often, Raven Perez. Yes, often. Often. Not always. Not always. <laughs> but often. Often on. But always a pleasure. Always. Well, thank you. Um, before we get into it this uh, this episode, um, Raven, you been up to anything interesting lately? Oh, Lord, my life, my life. It's been a whirlwind of activity. <laughs> I um, can't say that I've had too much uh, exciting comic reading going on, but uh, I did, I pretty much put the nail in the coffin of my Kickstarter uh, like on March 7th. So um, there's like the only honestly, like the only things left to go are like maybe two dudes, two or three dudes and like some close, close, close friends. So super exciting for me because it's kind of like a let out of jail time. Yeah. So that's been my hugest news. Speaking of comic Kickstarter, did you hear about that guy who got funding to like get his book printed, but he uh, he wound up messing up his uh, shipping costs, and so he couldn't afford to ship out the other books. So he started burning the copies when people are asking about them. That it seemed like he just had like a nervous breakdown and freaked out because did you see what he like wrote and he was just like stop ba- every time someone bothers me I'm burning more issues or something yeah. I was like holy crap yeah. that got weirdo. old Raven that got old Raven hot and bothered um, <laughs> I don't I don't know if you guys saw but I actually posted about it I won't go in any giganto rant but like um, his and my situations were ridiculously similar um, we you, both did you miscalculated your shipping cost as well right. That's, exactly what happened with a i mean it was even with a quarter it right down to he did 2000 books i did 2000 books uh i fell short on my shipping with a quarter of the backers to go he fell short on his shipping with a quarter of his backers to go um the key difference is is that he got like 51k in 14 days and i did like 14k so I don't know what happened to his money because, I mean, I guess his book was black and white. Yeah. So I don't – I'm not understanding what's up. But like Craig said, it was mostly – if I launched in this angry thing, then I instantly kind of felt bad because, like, he apparently is not 100% like mentally healthy. Yeah. Like he's in a bad place apparently. I'm still angry. When I watched the video and somebody – there were is at least – two people there when those books are burning. Huh. And that means that, yeah, he might not be well, but someone else was there. Whoever his friends were should have stopped him from burning those books. Because yeah. the poor backers, I read all the comments. Some of his fans actually were still really supportive. But 
there were a lot of people that were just saying these things. When you do this Kickstarter, I mean, people are giving you their money and they're just as hard up for money as you are. And like when I read the comment when somebody was like, $50 is a lot of money for me, you know, that's groceries, that's cat food. You know, I really feel like hurt by you doing this. It's just awful. Yeah. Whatever he's going through, someone near him should have jumped in and been like, okay, you can take down your webcomic. You can say that you're not shipping anymore, but dude, we can't destroy these books, and we should try to one day get these books to these people. Yeah, yeah. His his responses were just so like out there. It was just so like, oh my, this guy is like, he's not in touch with the reality. Something, something's going on with his mental health. A friend of mine told me that um, it had been kind of uh, evident through the comic or the web comic that like things have been going downhill for him a little bit. So there's more to it yeah. than that, but God, I you know but you were the first I one think, I thought of when I heard about the story. I don't know, dude, I, when I read it, I normally like don't pipe up or say anything about anything because everybody's stories. It was, I felt like a dick. Like one of his like I guess friends or something immediately posted and was like, "Well, you don't know the whole story, and it yeah. it is very very bad." And I was like, "Yeah, but whatever the situation." Everyone else is on the other side of that, having their individual situations. Right. And, and dude, that stinks. Like whatever he's going through, if he didn't have his full like mental facilities, like I said, there were two people in the video he uploaded where he was burning. That means he had company when he was burning those books. Somebody should have stopped him because he's gonna hopefully get better, and he's gonna regret burning those books. Yep. So for the listeners, do you remember what? Where they can f- read more about that. I think Bleeding Cool had an article about it, but what was the I be- Kickstarter? I believe the webcomic's called Pictures of Sad Children. Something along those yeah. lines, yeah. I forget the guy's yeah. name. It, it's a pretty crazy story. but Yeah, yeah man. Well, it's funny that you brought that up. I wasn't going to say anything, but yeah, that flipped my lid. When I saw that, I kind of like hit the roof, then hit the keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jim... Jim, what are you uh, what have you been up to? Well, I've been trying to relearn, relearn how to program. I've uh, been playing around with this. Uh, I, I want to make video games someday, so I've been playing around with the. Uh, it's called Unity. It's a it's a graphical nice. development tool set. So I've been relearning how to uh, C sharp pro- programming language. Nice. Yeah. So I, now I can make a ball move around on a, uh, on top of a block. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it starts. So yeah, I've been doing that. Um, been basically just crash coursing on that in all of my free time. Other than that, been thrifting around for old video games. I wound up with a whole pile of new DS stuff. It's <laughs> a lot of good stuff to love there, man. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of. See, I'm not a big JRPG fan, but I've suddenly come into a lot of them. What's that? I'm an, I'm oh. an idiot when it comes to video games. Oh, uh, Japanese RPGs, JRPGs. It's a okay. It's you have your Western RPGs, which is your Skyrims and your your Dungeons and Dragons, Dragons type stuff. And, your, and then you have your JRPGs, which is your Final Fantasies and your Dragon Quests and your um, Shin Megami Tensei, which I enjoy. Actually, God bless you, <laughs> uh, Raven. Have you ever played any any of the Persona games? 
not Persona ignorant. I've played the Persona fighting game. Oh, yeah. But yeah. I've just not played the role-playing game because yeah. uh, I don't have a lot of time. A lot of people are going to hate me, but I've been playing Persona 3, and I've not been enjoying it very much. That would be like saying you hate Jack Kirby. Apparently. But I am Four. playing um, <laughs> Shin Megami Tensei uh, Devil Survivor Overclocked for 3DS, and I'm liking that game a lot. It's made by the same people. Same company. I feel like I'm just listening to you talk Japanese right now. <laughs> These are very popular series. It, it's funny. It's a very popular series in Japan. It's a bit uh, niche here in America, but there are a lot of games. They're made by a company called Atlas, which is like they're they are a big company, but they're also not the most well known company. They're they're very interesting to collect for. Is all they they have a lot of interesting games that are outside. They're the uh, last. Some of the last. Uh, companies in the west to really care about like in gaming in general almost everything is so western these days that even japanese developers have started making western games yeah. like western style like dark souls like they, yeah they don't you exactly you would never know dark souls which is a game that's like dragons and knights and all you'd never know it had a you know eastern development team because it is so western in every every way like it's aesthetic and stuff yep so at company like Atlas, it's really cool if you like, you know, Japanese flavor, which what's so funny is that's where gaming started because there were no American developers, really. Oh, no, that's true. Yeah, that's yeah. Oh. As a Nintendo fanboy, all of my favorite characters are Japanese. Yeah. Nice. So everything you know, went from bright and colorful and Japanese to super gray and brown and all, Western. All the brown. Do you know how retarded I am with video games? I, I actually don't. I I have never played a game online. I've never played against anyone. Like I don't even know how to do it. Like I've never wore like a headset or whatever. Do you, you not own any Good consoles or anything? I have a PS2. Ah, free. That was a good system. Yeah, not the worst You're one to have. Gamer. You're a good game. The game system rocked. I played like I could play Metal Gear, but then I, I would like not play it for like. I don't know, a month, and then just forget the controls and then just not be interested in playing yeah, again. I, I, I get that experience already. a lot, too. I, I, have, I have a ton of half-finished games, which is my big problem right now. I feel that much closer to you, my brother. Metal Gear, that's a fantastic series. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Also Japanese. It was fun. Extremely Japanese. <laughs> what about you, Craig? Anything fantastic happening in your life? Uh, just, uh, chasing after two kids, but in my spare time, uh, I'm knee deep in Jack Kirby collections. Uh, my comic book, uh, shop at a sale a while back. I think I talked about it in the last episode. I got some cheap Omnibuys, uh, Fantastic Four, uh, Volume 2, which actually I got from Amazon because they reprinted it, but I got an Avengers Omnibuy pretty cheap in, uh, what's that, 50 issues? No, I think I don't know. 25? Is it twenty five? Maybe I think that probably makes more. It's sense. huge. I mean, it's it's really really thick. That second one had the Galact- so, coming a Galactus story. Yeah, it was. That's a great great series. I mean, just Joe Sinot inks and Jack Kirby pencils. It's a match made in heaven. So that and uh, I collect the Simon and Kirby uh, library of books, which kind of come out every six months or every year. And Those the, ones are from their horror. Are they from IDW? No, uh, 
someone does treasury editions. I don't know who. I can't remember who actually puts that out. Um, I don't got it in front of me, but yeah. it's uh, it's a whole series of Simon Kirby stuff. They did like sci-fi, uh, crime, superheroes. Oh, oh, this is their, their, their non Marvel stuff. This is their their yeah pre Marvel. It's all their golden age type oh, stuff. Okay, nice. Yeah, uh, and the horror stuff is really cool because it's all like pre comics code stuff and right creepy and stuff like that. So, so. you're gonna see. A wife's head severed in her husband's hand, hatchet in the other one. Yeah, like that famous <laughs> uh, cover, like the EC cover. <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, it's fun. I'm I'm actually uh, Eric Larson to tie us all into this podcast is the one that really got me into Kirby because I grew up, you know, on late '80s comics and '90s comics, and grew up on guys that were influenced by Kirby, but not you know influenced like I wasn't into Kirby didn't even know who he was just knew he was like some old guy and with blocky <laughs> art and really wasn't that into it and then just kind of got more and more into it and now I you know I can't imagine not reading Jack Kirby comics I love that description because <laughs> that is the at the glance impression well yeah as a young kid it was like oh what is this garbage and now it's like oh my god this stuff's so amazing i'm not sure I went through the same thing. i'm not sure if i ever formulated an opinion about him when i was younger it's funny he was just yeah. kind of his art was all over the place and yeah i was aware of it but i wasn't really aware of him so it was more of an uh, adult or late teen i be, you know was more aware of that stuff so i don't know yeah i yeah, I don't know what it is. It's just a switch flipped on me, and, and it was like I fell in love with this stuff. So, And uh, that's about it. I mean, I got a lot of things going on, but I don't want to bore everybody. <laughs> why, don't we, uh, why don't we get into the Eric Larson Sounds news? Sounds like a good idea. Can I throw one last thing out? Yeah, it's go ahead. It's so quick. So my comic uh, store had a free graphic novel day. Oh, boy. And um, <laughs> you can imagine the quality of the free graphic novels they're giving away. All the value comics. <laughs> like so much so that when he asks as I'm leaving with my Walking Dead and previews, do you want a free graphic novel? And I looked at him and said no. <laughs> and then he goes, are you sure? We got Justin <laughs> Bieber. What? And exactly. That is exactly. I said, are you serious? I said, sold. So I ran over on the other side. <laughs> and here is this, you know, Blue Water? Yes, the company I know. Yeah, those. they always put out like those like horrible autobiography books. Yeah. Like Con- Sarah Palin, the comic. Condoleezza <laughs> Rice comic. You can get one. Yeah. Oh, it's such garbage. So this is the Justin Bieber version and it's from Blue Water. And um, you need this in your life. <laughs> what? It's amazing. I mean, it's I've never seen a product that it, it's so evident that everyone involved was like they didn't give a crap and they were just doing it for as cheap and as quick as they could. And there was really bizarre like visual choices. Like I see this picture of him next. None of the likenesses match. Right. Like there's this picture of him next to Kesha and she looks like a zombie. <laughs> there's so, this so picture. Was it like done straight or was it? It's like oh, it's it's totally it's totally like serious. It, it's called Justin Bieber Fame, and the cover artist looks kind of like he's doing a Jay Lee thing. Ugh. And uh, when you, I mean, I like Jay Lee, okay. but Jay Lee on Justin Bieber comic. We're gonna have yeah. words, Craig. 
<laughs> but like it just it makes me laugh but ah oh, dudes i I'm, I'm just saying i'm done i'm done i'm not i'm just gonna wrap it up if you get a chance if you'd enjoy a comic that um so bad is garbage it's so bad <laughs> yeah exactly so bad nascar style it like curves around and it looks like it's in lead this is your comic just I feel like you would say that about every one of those, all the blue what is it called yeah. blue blue water yeah like I just I see him on the shelf and I'm like I, I can't believe my comic retailer buys. You this. gotta wonder and who they're for. They apparently do really well because my guy, my comic guy, and me were really good friends. The old one, uh, old store I used to shop at, and I, I was giving him the same crap, and he said these always sell. It's like probably like the Zenith the <laughs> so looks. Yeah. So is that the one with like porno yeah. fairy tales? Yes. It's like what? Stop. <laughs> Just go watch porno on your internet or something. You know, it's like, do you get to read about naked Red Riding Hood? They, they publish. They publish new Francesco artwork. <laughs> uh, well, good for him, I guess. I just, uh, I had, I could not say anything. That is such a find, and I know it's something that you never like seek out on your own. So Raven Man's here to tell you, for the cost of free, it's amazing. <laughs> well, now that we've lost all our listeners, let's, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Let's get into the news. So um, Spawn number 241 is going to have a cover based on a sketch by Eric Larson. Uh, McFarlane recently posted a blurb on Facebook about how the cover of Spawn 241 is uh, based on a quick 4x4, four 4-inch four, four by 4-inch Spawn sketch Eric did uh, at a drink-and-draw event they attended at a comic convention. Uh, McFarlane, later, McFarlane later tightened the drawing and changed some of the things to fit the current Spawn look in the book. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I checked out the Facebook page on that. Uh, it does the side-by-side comparison with the original sketch and the final cover, and it, it looks like an Eric design. Yeah, he's got the foreshortening like leaping at you, but I don't think it's a great cover design. Well, I feel like McFarlane was like, oh, I don't really know what to draw on the cover this month. Oh, I have that sketch. Hey, I got this <laughs> you know, let, let me tighten that up and uh, throw it out there. And it's just like, what? Well, I think it's that because he's like hovering in a void. It's like, right? It's just just spawned in like an empty space. Yeah. Well, I picture I picture Larson just scribbling on a napkin at a. You know, this drink and draw event and just, you know, I don't know, not intending it to be anything right. other than just a a sketch. But what's the hell up with Spawn and, these days? He's looking a bit gray. I don't he's, know, he's got like gray, angel wings in that picture. Isn't he? Like he gave up his cape for wings or something. I don't know. Yeah, they do look like wings and he's got kind of like the blue glowy eyes. And yeah, I don't know. I am so yeah. clearly out of the loop on Spawn. I don't want to hate on Spawn or anything like that because I feel like it gets it probably gets the same kind of rap like Savage Dragon. It's been around forever, and people that never read it think they know everything about it. So I'm not going to try to figure out or dump on it. But, uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Doesn't Spawn <laughs> okay, have, like, a big hoof foot? One foot. Yeah, he's got asymmetrical boots. Anyway, he, he, I don't know. He's just, just giant cylinder boots. <laughs> I was never a fan of McFarlane, so I never was a fan of Spawn. Yeah, I have no idea what's going on. I give him a lot of credit for having that many issues, and you know, it's pretty cool that it's still going. It's still 
sells halfway decent, I guess. He's got all the respect in the world for executing his plan, which was to make a character that outlives him Batman style. I think yeah. probably Spawn will go on past McFarlane easily. You think? Yeah. Well, I mean, look at uh, Michael Turner's company, Aspen. Oh, that's true. I mean, they still, Aspen, make, they still make Fathom comics. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just saying, like, if you want to care, if that's your goal, and I guess that was his goal, I mean, you know, mission accomplished, bro. The G- Spawn's Jim outlive. Davis of. <laughs> well, it's one of the highest numbered books, too, when you look at it. Savage Dragon, Spawn, Witchblade, they're all. Up there with Marvel and DCs have all renumbered. and Isn't it ironic that um, Image yeah. was kind of responsible for everybody lusting after that number one status, and now Image books are some of the highest numbered books in comics? That's Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a valid observation. Walking Dead, Invincible. Yeah. They got almost five. Triple digits. What? Yep, yep. So, yeah, that's strange. Well, um, I guess I'm ready to jump on the next little bit of tid. Um, Larson created a Jack Kirby fan group on Facebook, uh, if you weren't looking. Uh, He was uh, pretty sure he was dissatisfied with a Kirby fan group he was in. So he said, hey, I'm going to make my own group. We're going to call it Jack Kirby! Exclamation point. (laughs) So uh, Larson made the Jack Kirby fan group on Facebook. In a single week, it grew to over 1,600 members. It's a great group. Fans and pros alike join to discuss Jack Kirby, so that's got to be cool for any kind of comic fan, let alone a Jack Kirby fan. As we uh, said earlier, you know, you might not even realize that your favorite artist is uh, Jack, Jack Kirby-influenced. Kirby yeah, yeah. He probably well, is. And there's a whole bunch of artists on there. I know uh, uh, Mike Mignola is... is been on there uh, uh mark Evanier, who is you know worked hand in hand with kirby and probably knows more about jack kirby than anybody um i can't think of there is a whole bunch of guys i can't think of them all off the top of my head but even various guys that have inked kirby in the past show up uh, i think i saw tom scioli lurking on there who did a sweet my little pony jack kirby <laughs> yeah. recently <laughs> i saw that jack kirby but it's a if you're a fan of Jack Kirby, um, we should probably post a link to our website so people can find this. Uh, you have to uh, get invited in, but all you have to do is request it. And it seems like, you know, Eric just—it's open to anybody, but you need an invite, and you need—you need to get—I don't know if it's an invite, but you just need to get approved. Right. It's just, I guess, to kind of keep all the riffraff out, the spam bots. Yeah, yeah. Got to thin out those spam bots. But it's pretty neat. Is a lot of cool images and a lot of good discussion. That's awesome. I like I said, if if you uh, you know like comics at all, you owe yourself you know to, to look into Jack Kirby a little bit. And this is a really cool way to do it because you know you get to see a lot of active guys that you do know talking about what makes this uh, kind of a legend in the industry who might not necessarily be anywhere near known as much as he should be. They let you know why he's good. So it's cool. Right. I'm gonna uh, sign just up right I want now. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to add something to the news. We didn't really talk about this beforehand, but um, I got my copy of Nancy in Hell, a Dragon in Hell, uh, one shot comic, uh, which I'm not sure the exact street date. I got mine last week, 
and uh, my shop didn't really carry it. I don't. It's from Amigo Comics, so I'm not sure if many shops really, you know, are they a European copy publisher? In. You know, I really don't know to be honest. Um, my uh, comic guy, I think. Yeah, I think it's uh, from Spain. Spain. So. Yeah. When I brought it up, his reaction was, that's a real thing. So, like, <laughs> they had no idea. In previews, but, um, it was not with Image. It was back with the Amigo section or whatever. Well, it definitely wasn't with Image because it wasn't published by Image. I mean, it, what happened, I guess, is, you know, Nancy and Hell was an Image book at one time. Yeah. And they've kind of moved on. Um, but I think Eric was thinking that it was going to be an image book when he gave him permission to use Dragon, and they switched over, and he had already given him permission. But they did a really good job with it. Um, you liked it? Yeah, I did. I I remember seeing the the previews and reading the kind of the cover copy and being like, what? <laughs> but it was it's a you know a regular size comic it's one issue it's one and done it's a whole story in one you learn a little bit about nancy from nancy and hell and you learn a little bit about malcolm and the main villain is the fiend so basically he gets i'm not gonna go into all of it but somehow he gets brought to hell um malcolm gets brought to hell kind of similar to the way his father was Mm -hmm. and he comes across the fiend and uh it's a cool way to did they do anything? What's that? Did they do anything interesting with the fiend, or is it implied that it's Dimple? Uh, no, it's implied that it's Debbie Harris's mom. Oh, uh, cool. Miss Harris, I forget what her name is, but so uh, one of the big things is like, oh, Dragon has a son. You know, why is he allowed to have a son? And my daughter's dead because of him. Oh, okay. But nice. But I mean, again, it's it's a single regular size issue so you can't you know there's only so much you can do but they do a good job with the character uh, the characters and they kind of behave as they should uh, Malcolm sounds like Malcolm the fiend sounds like the fiend and it takes a lot from savage dragon lore in terms of it's centralized around the fiend and hmm. the fiend's plight I wasn't planning so on it's getting, pretty cool I wasn't planning on getting a copy but maybe I'll have to track it down now that it sounds like it's decent yeah, it's decent. You don't need it. It doesn't add anything to you know Malcolm or Savage Dragon, but it it does kind of follow you know events that have happened in Savage Dragon. So it seems like a book that counts, and I it definitely seems like a book that would fit as like a a backup in the in Savage Dragon or something like that. So I was pleasantly surprised. Um, it's worth the four bucks if you're a Savage Dragon fan. Um, the art is really decent. There's a lot of awesome detail in hell. It's it, all little weird demons and stuff. It and, doesn't have like a realistic painted style? No, not really. Oh, really? Hmm. It, it kind of looks like it might be, but it's not. Oh. It's definitely not. What about extras? Uh, any pinups or backups or anything? Yeah, there's a few uh, pinups. Um, it's like two of them that we haven't seen before. Cool. Which are pretty cool. Mine's on yeah. its way, so I'm super excited. That's awesome. It's not bad. There's one thing. If anyone is a fan of Nancy and Hell and you know what this is, she's got like this purple like tentacle thing that's coming off her forehead, the whole issue. At first, when you look at the preview pages, I thought she just had like a strip of hair that was dyed purple. 
I'm not sure what the hell it is. <laughs> I'd like to know. If you guys out there know what it is, write in and, and let me know. Uh, they don't – I guess they expect you already should know what it is by reading the previous books. I think she's had two miniseries. But uh, I had no idea what it was. So if you guys know, let us know. Clearly didn't ruin your enjoyment. No. No, it doesn't. It, like I said, it's it's a one and done. It's – you know. It was entertaining. It was, I thought it was well worth the four bucks. So there you go. Sweet. It's good to hear. Yeah. So, uh, oh, and not to get long-winded, last thing is, I don't know if you guys saw, but um, uh, Michelle uh, Fife's uh, Copra series is coming back out with another six issues. And there was uh, his listserv or whatever he has, his little email list. He sent a uh, notice of uh, like a limited subscription that would guarantee you getting the, the six issues. And I don't know if that's still available. I know you don't have to get a subscription. You can buy the individual issues, but the subscription guarantees that you get a copy. Um, but that's also really cool here because I really enjoyed uh, that Copra series. And Oh, yeah. Uh, you can find that. I mean, I don't know the link to it right now, but he's selling it on his Etsy page. If you just uh, Google Copra and Michelle Fife, then you should be able to find it, or at least find his uh, his website. Yeah, and get there for that. Um, but that's definitely you know if you missed the first uh, the first round, uh, jump in on the second round. You know the second story arc. I, I think you guys will enjoy it. Well, that's neat. Good for him. Sweet. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So let's get into uh, the trivia. Yes. Trivialities. Uh, last episode. Um, was it last episode? Episode? Do we skip an episode with the trivia? No, I can't it was remember, last episode. The last, it was last episode. Okay, last episode, episode 26. Uh, we had our trivia question was. From 2005 through to 2008, and for a short stint in 2010, Eric Larson wrote a weekly column for one of the larger comic book news websites. What was the name of the column? And we got a few uh, responses. First was from, uh, and I don't know if I'm saying this right, his name's like Josephat Gomez. Is that, is that the right way? Looks right. Sounds right to me. Okay. He said, hey guys, love the podcast. Never knew anyone who liked Dragon besides myself. Savage Dragon's the only book I get digital and then buy a copy at the store. Uh, anyway, the answer to the trivia. Eric wrote a column, uh, One Fan's Opinion, for comic book resources. I think it was back when he was publisher of Image. Uh, love the Eric interview. Uh, got any more of those Chris G variant to give away? <laughs> uh, no, we don't, but... Uh, you know, if I come across one, I think I have to hook Gavin up because I think he still needs it. But uh, Gavin Higginbotham. Charge him uh, thousands of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, no, we gave that away, and there hasn't been any others that come across my uh, come across my way. Um, thanks for the kind words on that, though. Uh, Will Poe wrote in. He said, if I'm not mistaken, Eric's column was called One Fan's Opinion at comicbookresources.com. And then he went on to say, I enjoyed the year-end review. I'd love to hear y'all review Dragon's original miniseries if we ever find ourselves waiting for another issue. Or maybe talk some fan film casting for the Savage Dragon movie. 
that we all hope and pray will happen one day. Uh, some interesting be, suggestions. Good show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would be kind of cool. Um, I know who I want for Mako. Our buddy, uh, and I should go on to say that one fan's opinion is the correct answer, which everyone got. Um, Nick Justice, our old buddy, wrote in. He said, Hey guys, I finally remember one fan's opinion. I wish Eric still did them. I read them religiously on CBR. Looking forward to the new episode of Savage Fincast. Hope to be on again one day if y'all will have me. We won't. <laughs> Just gonna put that down right now. <laughs> um, Gavin, our buddy Gavin Higginbotham wrote in. He said, one fan's opinion. And I wish Eric did more of them. There was a lot of cool stuff in there, and I liked the articles that pissed people off. Ha! <laughs> Which was a lot of them, and I think. Of course, Gavin cannot win. He's disqualified for being the publisher. <laughs> but we always love when he does write in because his answers are always pretty funny. Um, so the trivia winner, I uh, put all the, the, the names in a hat and picked out William Poe who gets his choice of either an Eric Larson variant edition of Jersey Gods number 5 or the complete four-issue star miniseries from 1995. So nice. just uh, send us an email at savagefincast at gmail.com and let us know uh, which you would like, and I will send it to you like three months later because I'm such a slacker on these things. <laughs> and I apologize to the people I owe things to. I have them all packed up and ready to go. Uh, I think I, I have like the last two winners stuff sitting on my desk that I'm looking at right now. To be and fair, it's gonna go out this week, so don't kill me. I think I know the reason why you're like months late getting your stuff in out is because your wife was nine months getting her stuff out. <laughs> you gave her that nine months ago, and it's only just now coming around. It's like, come on, so that works. For me. It's all good. Sure, we'll blame it on my wife. Exactly. Exactly. All right, and for this episode's question, name one of the two artists that both passed away before starting the Mighty Man series that they agreed to do for Eric Larson, which is kind of a downer question, but I thought it was kind of a cool question. Lord, it was something is that, that was, real? Yeah, it was something that was brought up uh, recently, but there were two two artists that, that were signed up to do a Mighty Man uh series and they both passed away before they were able to do it it's like a mighty man curse at this point yeah yeah that's creepy yeah so it's a cool i thought that was a cool question let's see if you know if everyone knows you know if you know both artists uh i'll give you preference uh to to the winner um but i will you know if, if everyone only gets one then i will give it to the person that Nah, that's – whatever. I'm just going to put everyone's <laughs> name in a hat. Screw it. <laughs> uh, send your responses to savagefincast at gmail.com and we will sing your praises on the next episode. Uh, one winner will be chosen of all the correct entries. And for this episode's question, the winner will get the Flying Colors variant to Savage Dragon 165. So send in your answers. <laughs> So get them in now. <laughs> um, so let's uh, let's jump into it. This is a this is a huge issue. Um, it's a bold new direction. Uh, yeah, I don't think we really even talked about it much in the, in the opening of this episode, but this is this is uh, something something different here. We were holding you know, it all back. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of emotions. I think what's interesting about this discussion too is we're not just giving you our crusty old 
been there since the grocery store sold Savage Dragon Day's opinions. We're giving right, you right. new. We we went the extra mile to get new reader opinions. Well, I didn't. I tried. <laughs> I tried to find anybody. I feel so bad about it. It's actually this appears to be one of the downsides of being digital only. Is if I was going to a comic shop, I might have actually been able to talk to people. That's it. Let's just end this podcast. <laughs> and we're done. Yeah. See ya. Bold new directions. Great jumping off point. Have a great evening. <laughs> Oh, great life. We'll see you on Spawn 194. (laughs) So, uh, you know, your thoughts, uh, Craig, what do you think on this uh, bold new direction? How'd it grab you? So, all right. There was the, when I first picked it up, reaction, and then let it sink in and see what everyone else was saying and kind of settle down on it, reaction. Okay. My first reaction was... I wasn't that keen on it. Okay. I, I wanted to pack a bigger punch to, to draw. I don't know. To I just wanted it to be more exciting or just I, I don't know the I don't know how to put it, but it just seemed underwhelming like a less than spectacular issue. Yes, but it has since grown on me. All right. Um. The more I listen to what read reviews of what new readers thought, I realize that this issue really isn't for me or long-time readers per se um, because we have seen the things that can happen in Savage Dragon. Mm-hmm. This is more of a, show, a showcase on this is what Malcolm Dragon's about and here's a quick little thing to show his powers and you know show where he's coming from. And it's written more for a new reader, which I can appreciate. Um, you know, we just came off an amazing prison arc, which we've seen, you know, it just... The best stuff out of Savage Dragon. Oh yeah. So I think I was bound to be a little underwhelmed, but again, I think it's because this issue is not really meant as much for old readers as it is to kind of get new people up to speed on who Malcolm is. Right. Um. And I can talk more in detail of the different things I liked and didn't like, but what was your first kind of gut reaction, or your still your reaction to it? Well, uh. I don't know. Jim, do you want to jump in there first? No, you go first, right? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, I got to tell you. <clears throat> All right. So I'm a man of two minds, too. There was the initial knee-jerk reaction, which, um, just as you described, it was not really super pleased with it, only because uh, this is not what the book does when it's at its best. Um, when this book is at its best... It's uh, juggling all these things, you know, all these plot points, etc., etc. A huge cast, effortlessly handled. So that was my knee-jerk reaction: is that um, this book is not putting its best foot forward. This issue, uh, it, I'm so I, I kind of like you had a settling down phase where I backed off my like sort of like oh man you know i just don't see this really grabbing a new reader into the series um but i realize that it's kind of impossible for me to get that true new reader um thing because i'm comparing this issue and i can't help it i'm comparing this issue to like everything i know the book 192 issues before (laughs) bingo and i mean 
I, I know what this writer can do. I know when he's, you know, doing the quick panels and when he's really dialing up the quality. And, um, you know, I just feel like, and the thing that I can't back away from, even though I did settle down because, uh, my more technical like opinion of it after the knee jerk went away was that, you know, this is a very, very impressive, uh, first issue. There's actually like an ass ton of information in these normal issue size pages. And it really does from a, you know, standpoint of just, does it establish his past? Yes. Does it establish his present? Yes. Does it tell you where he is? Kind of why he does what he does. It does all these things and does it pretty well. You know, the fight was gory. It lets you know as a reader that, you know, Hey, this is a hero who does kill people. He's not got Superman's, you know, Oh, I can't kill kind of morality. Right. And so all these things are really, really excellent. And it takes a lot of skill to put that much into this single thing. But I cannot back down on my opinion that the issue ended with a uh, thud, not with a bang. It could have yeah. very easily had a cliffhanger to draw in readers for a yes. second issue. Yes. And so I just can't say. And and it's funny because Eric is the best at doing cliffhangers. And it's like, why I, wouldn't you do a cliffhanger on the first issue in a bold new direction? You know. You, you want to bring someone back for a next issue and on a cliffhanger. I don't like. I don't mean to be make someone buy your next issue. I don't mean to be harsh, but yeah. the thing is, is if this was another image title, not Savage Dragon, not from an image founding father, and if it was actually a number one, it would almost assuredly end in some way that dragged you into the next issue. I've read a lot of image number ones of various series. And they almost always have some good hook to drag you into the next issue. I can't think of many that are just sort of like, and we're done. Yeah, yeah. What'd you think, Jim? Okay. My first opinion, my first, my first, um, my first impression was, ugh, I still don't like this logo very much. <laughs> but then I turned the page and I went, yes, purple flannel. <laughs> I love young young Malcolm with skinny arms and the flannel. I don't know why, but it opens on this great flashback that really calls back to that period of Malcolm I really like as a character when he was a lot younger. And actually, the the opening flashback itself is, I felt, was a really strong opening because it, it gives you, it, show, it shows you Dragon in his prime and it shows Malcolm, you know, when he was younger. Totally uh, agree. Still being tough little kid. And then we jump to the present. Um, after that, however, I've got to kind of agree with you guys about some of the pacing and the direction it went in, um, not being as strong as it could have been. It opens yeah. with a bang, but then it just kind of feels like it's a lot of information dumping. Yeah. And yeah. it is establishing Malcolm's status quo, and I think that's very important, but I felt the, like when it gets to the fight scene at the end, because you get two you get two decent fight scenes in this issue, which is pretty par for course for for from Eric. But I felt the second fight scene because the villain in it, you have no history with it. It doesn't it doesn't last long and it doesn't it doesn't stick around. It's like it doesn't matter. I guess it doesn't. Yeah, Malcolm it, never feels I like feel he's like... actually in danger, so it's hard to take it seriously. 
Well, I I think the whole point of the second fight is to kind of really show Malcolm at his adult kind of strength power and also to show that display how he could use his electric powers and that he's not afraid to kill. Yeah. So I think Eric had to kind of put in a throwaway character that he could just kill. But you know, honestly, he could have just thrown in a vicious circle guy to, to kill too. But, you know, the, the guy is a cool-looking visual. It's almost, you know, that tantrum guy. Oh, I'm yeah. sad to see him Yeah, it, it, but it wasn't even that. It was like, I don't know. Malcolm basically kills the baby part of tantrum because tantrum it was for the for, yeah. the for the for the listeners who hopefully have read the issue tantrum is a dual character where the large bulk strong character appears to be an adult and then it embedded in his chest is like a child who whose uh, emotions seem to dictate the the, the creature's uh, actions and so in order to stop it malcolm crushes the uh, baby's head and then electrocutes the giant to, to finish him off i felt like Tantrum could have been a tragic character that was only behaving like it was because it couldn't control itself. Like, it, it was literally a baby. And I thought that by casually killing it without really dwelling on it, it kind of cheapened the character. It yeah, could have been I felt a, the same way. Yeah. I, do you remember um, the adjectiveless Spider-Man where Eric took over, I think it was issue seven, the first issue he did, where it was like Beast and Spider-Man? Yeah. Versus this giant mutant, and it turned out in the end that the mutant was just a baby. Like the mutant kind of shrunk, you know, it went back to human form, and it was just like just an innocent baby. So all this time they're battling this like huge Hulk-like creature, and then it just turns into a baby at the end. Right. And it's funny because Eric's the one that wrote that issue, and that, that that's reading this. That's the way I kind of took it. Like like you just said, what if like that thing is really just an infant or a baby or and it's like it's just innocent. it seemed a little weird and out of character to be to, fair to i did like feel bad for the character like when he killed the baby and yeah. it's like baby hurt i i was kind of like oh man you know yeah kinda... i mean we felt something but it's like <laughs> captain stewart didn't malcolm didn't it's just like i don't know like it should have had more impact psychologically i know there's not a lot of time in 20 pages but you'd, you'd think if you're going to do something like that you'd spend a little bit of time on it yeah yeah yeah, I, that that was a little weird for me too. Um, I'm with you guys, although that the first four pages were awesome, um, art wise and everything. Just that that full bleed double page spread. Um, the one thing that gets me, it's like, all right, you're gonna do a flashback. It's a perfect opportunity to kind of showcase the old VC guys. I mean, how many more chances are you gonna have to like see? You know, dead vicious circle guys in this book. It would have been I mean? a nice little extra. Touch. I, I don't know. I, I, I like these guys, these tentacle guys, a little bit more. I mean, I, I mean, they're kind of throwaway in this case, but visually, yeah. I well, visually they're very interesting. And if they we never see any of them again, that'd be kind of tragic. But I think seeing yeah. more of the old faces is something Eric wanted to get away from. So it makes sense. That I, he, I just thought it would have been a good nod to like old. Read old time readers, while you know new time guys don't have you know new readers don't really have to worry about them too much. You know you know because it's just a flashback. Yeah, but, yeah. I, I, I mean, it, it's a little gripe. It's a little gripe. I, I don't uh, really have a problem with that. Didn't take away from my enjoyment, but you know it's always good to see some old faves, you know, and and just kind of throw a little bone to long time readers. But um, hopefully we see these worm guys again. 
yeah. It, it would know, be cool really to see them like older. Yeah, yeah. I, I enjoy seeing reoccurring characters. So. Speaking of reoccurring characters, another thing that I think kind of bugged me about this was um, during the, the high school portion, we get in- introduced to two or three uh, students. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't. It, it's hard to tell if any of these characters are going to be recurring at all. Because of the way they're used, it almost feels like they could be disposable for information dumps, or maybe we'll see them again in some, you know, more permanent capacity. But it, it, but if that was the case, it feels like having like the two or three that Malcolm interacts with is too many, because then it feels like none of them are important. I think we're definitely going to see that. Uh, was it Jasmine Thomas, the, the girl that was following him around? Yeah. Oh yeah, she'll be back. And I, I'm not sure about uh, the other guy. What was his name? Douchey. <laughs> the dude with the dreads. Lamar. Lamar. <laughs> yeah, Lamar was cool. I like a jerk. I actually uh, did want to give props on the uh, comic for the way it had the high schooler dialogue. Because, you know, I mean, kids say stupid stuff. <laughs> kids say the darndest things. So, yeah. I mean, I, I really thought that was a good strong suit. Um, so that was cool. I don't know. I like... I like how Malcolm is the opposite of what Spider-Man was. He's got no secret identity. He's popular. All the dudes want to be him. All the girls want to be with him. Um, you know, he he doesn't have to hide what he does. You know, and you know he kind of it's supported by the lives police. on his own. <laughs> yeah, he's a mercenary or whatever you want to call him, bounty hunter. Yeah, it's a vague title. Um, but he's, he's, you know, he's very similar as book kind of like to Invincible or Spider-Man when it started off, except for, I guess, he's public. Uh, well, not, he, he's, yeah, he's out I in mean, the open. He's not a secret. And I think it's much easier to, to identify with a character like that than a character that's got to hide his identity. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, you can treat him just as a regular guy. You mean regular situations and it's kind of neat. I want to say that I, I hate to keep coming off as negative, but there was something else that bugged me, and it took me a while to figure out what it was. Um, it's What's it's that? that Eric, in this bold new direction, has decided to continue with his strict grid layouts instead of like opening it back up to like full bleed panels and different panel uh, compositions, like in the in the old days. I felt this would have been a good opportunity to do that, to like change the, the, the layout style either back to what it used to be or do something a little bit different. It's just having this old, I guess I want to say old-fashioned, strict grid, I honestly have always thought has kind of restricted the book a bit to how it's presented. And I, I was hoping that this would be an opportunity to get away from that, but apparently that won't be the case. I'm a fan of the grid, and I think in this issue, you almost kind of need this setup because there's such a large amount, there's such a big information dump. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot going on, and I don't want to see like a hundred text bubbles on one splash page or in two panels. I'd rather see it spread along six. And I think Eric, I'm a little bit of the opposite opinion. I, I, I kind of like him, and I, I think Eric does a good job of showing a lot happening on a little amount of space and I kind of enjoy it. I, um, I don't know. I I think it did have more probably full bleed than we've seen in a bit. Well, this the double page spreads and the, the, the two thirds page splashes. They did. 
but yeah, yeah. like that the first those first four pages felt like an old like pre 75 issue of savage dragon didn't it with the full that first page being like oh, yeah. a full bleed yeah and the second page being double page spread but even even the even yeah. the fourth page goes to a strict grid yeah yeah you're right you know um i guess uh i mean i hate to again uh harp on the uh harp on the uh way that it was handled but i mean Technically, I do love the fact that uh, the book opened with like you know Dragon being you know buff and powered and kicking ass, and then it ends with Dragon being all weak and in prison and smaller than his son and stuff like that. Right. It's a really yeah. good hand the book off moment, but right. uh, you know again to just really think it needed that hook. Uh, I think it needed a. Uh, I don't know. You could that would have been great just to show like, you know, maybe Dart. The last page be Dart, you know. You could even lose a page of fight scene with Temper with uh, Tantrum. Right. And just like Or you know you what? Know. He, he, I he, I think he should have expanded it to 22 pages at least for this jumping on issue just to give it a little bit more room to breathe. Yeah. I do want to also say that um uh the art I wish had been just a tiny bit tighter here and there. And I'm not even picking on the art. The art's for the most part really, really good. Yeah. Um, but there's just a few visual oddities, uh, I think mostly caused by Malcolm's um, agility. He, he leaps a bit around a bit. Um, yeah, you're talking about like, that, pit, that, that, that scene where he's being followed by that uh, girl. Bingo. Um, the one where that panel... Uh, just something about the visual information there, like the way Malcolm jumps back in front of her. Um, I get it. He's an agile. He's a, a super agile character, and he can leap around, and you know. But the pose of what's going on, like it's uh, yeah. No one, no one jumps backwards like that. Yeah, like, it's kind of it's confusing visually. It, it looks like a forward jump. It, you know, and then the way his hands placed in that panel, it looks like he's holding her in her palm, almost like a weird kind of tangent thing going on. Yeah, it even looks like she's like it's not quite a tangent, but it's like. It's like she's behind him. It's like he's jumped like so far in front of her. See, it's I think it's supposed to look like he's like he, his leg is like he's like supposed to be like across her, like he's reaching out to block her path. But instead, it looks like he's jumped past her. Oh, is that what it is? I yeah, I had to look at the scene like I had to read this page like three times before I understood what was going on. And I take it as she's running away, and he kind of jumps in front of like over her head, yeah. in front of her. But it. Looks like he's jumping backwards, but it's a weird pose. I don't know. It just it just doesn't come off. It's one of the few times that I've seen this. You know, Eric, uh, some kind of pose not work for Eric. And yeah, fortunately, it's on this this page. But um, oh. yeah, I was a little kind of confused about what was going on. But I will say, a really good panel was um, two pages later, uh, fourth panel. Where he's, com- he's jumping, jumping out, out the his... window. Yeah, that was neat. <laughs> I dude, I did like that. Uh, I, I dig, I dig uh, super agile Malcolm. I don't want that to go away. I just thought that that one moment caused the uh, visual confusion. You think like because we never, you know, Dragon his dad had his moments where he could leap around like that, but he didn't really do it as often as we're seeing it here. You think that has something to do with Malcolm being like a 15 year old kid that he's just kind of jumping around cause he can. I actually just... remember, you know, the scene it puts me in mind of is where, uh, it's very early in the series where dragon, uh, they're like, Oh, you know, there's hostages and dragons like, hold on. Oh, jumps through the roof. Bingo. 
Yeah. And that's what him jumping around so much put me in mind of. And I really, really liked that as a longtime reader. I thought that was like a super cool way to show that, like, you know, that's what young chosen ones do. They jump around. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, you know, gravity doesn't really hold them back or whatever. So I'm totally down with that. Uh, That's what it made me think of. (laughs) You know, the other thing, since we're we're talking about what what Eric does best, um, which I thought was a little weird, was... All right, you want to showcase this uh, this issue as like, hey, this is what Savage Dragon is all about, you know. So it was weird they didn't put a cliffhanger. But I thought the other weird thing was that he didn't choose to have like a a backup story. Uh, Agreed. That could have been a timing um, thing. Yeah, but you know what? You know, one ninety three is coming. You know, you're gonna push it as a jumping on thing for people. I mean, is it really that hard to like set aside one a store, you know, a backup? Or get someone to do a backup or whatever. Even I don't know. Even if it, um, I mean, you know, timing. I think, in, in fact, I think it was touched on. Maybe Adam Pruitt said that um, it was a timing thing. But I, yeah, he did. I will agree with you that had there been more comics, um, again, not to dip too much into my new reader opinion, but one of the readers said that to me. He, he said he didn't give a crap about the pinups. And I asked him, I said, well, what if there were more comics? Because it usually has more comics in the back. And he's like, oh, well, that would have been cool. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we should probably talk about the guys you ha- guys got to read the book. What do they think? Craig, you take it away. <laughs> All right. Well, I um, talked to my one of my best friends, um, this guy Jason that I grew up with. He lives in Massachusetts, and he still collects some books. Um I don't get to talk to him very often now that I live in Philly. You know, once in a while we, we chat. So I asked him if he ever, you know, read any Dragon. He knows that I'm a big fan. Um, and he knows about Dragon, has kind of a basic understanding. Um, but he's never really tried it. So I sent him an issue, the issue to review. Um, before we started, I asked him to send me a list of what he was currently reading so we have an idea of kind of what he's into. And what he's reading now is Invincible, Walking Dead, Daredevil, Nova, Powers, Ultimate Spider-Man. And he says uh, he still buys Spawn, but he hasn't read it in years. And he still reads Usagi Ujimbo, but they haven't made a new one in years. Well, And he says... Once. <laughs> oh, I don't know, I guess. Well, that's what he wrote. He said, I dumped DC entirely after the new 52. I was not a fan. And I had given him a set of Copra comics for Christmas, and he thought those were great. Uh, so Looks like, looks like the probably... Target fan. Sounds good, yeah. Superhero. Yeah, I mean. Superhero he, knowledge. He's, he's, into, he's open to everything. He, you know, he was. I know he was a DC fan until the new 52. Like I said, he, he buys a few Marvel buy some powers, you know, he's, you know, things like Invincible I got him into and he stuck with it. Um, so anyway, I'm going to just kind of read almost verbatim what he said. Uh, he said, overall, I liked it. The story was simple. New kid at school on his own trying to make his own way. Uh, it did a fine job of introducing new supporting characters. It had a bit of an early Invincible feel. He said, it did, however, feel very brief. Mm. 
He goes to school, gets followed by a girl, beats up a bad guy. And he said, which was great. It was simultaneously funny, sad, and gross. And he talks to dad. He said, I liked it. The art was great. The story was simple. But as a new reader, I did not find a compelling reason to tune in next week. Which is like we were just talking about. Right. 20 pages. And then he brought up a really, really, really interesting point, which – I would have never thought because I just I'm such a fan of Savage Dragon, no Eric as uh, a professional, but he put also being new to the story but not coming to it from a complete vacuum. I'm a bit skeptical that Malcolm is here to stay, ah. that he isn't just a kind of narrative way station, a, a respite in the beginning of the countdown to the eventual return of the proper dragon. Ooh, okay. He's, and we kind of had a back and forth discussion. I asked him to explain a little more and. He said, you know, com- comics seldom have long-term success replacing the main character. Wally West is an example of success. Uh, I think he was the Flash for almost as long as Barry Allen was. But he said, but for every Wally West, you have four different Supermen or Bucky Barnes, Captain America, or Azrael, or Dick Grayson, Batman. Well, even Wally West isn't Flash so, anymore. Yeah, that's what's sad. Yeah. So, I mean, that was a real interesting point that I never thought about is if someone sees this on the stands, you know, is this just like, well, yeah, if I was just, the, you know, someone that collected Marvel or DC and knew nothing about Eric Larson, I wouldn't really think of this as such a huge issue because it'd probably be back to Savage Dragon in, you know, six months to a year anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we all know that it probably is Malcolm's book to stay, but I think for, you know, the, 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 average comic reader out there that marvel and dc has just kind of ruined it where you just well even peter parker's just, coming back i mean you know yeah you just see this and you're like yeah okay wait which peter parker uh, superior spider-man's gone oh, that yeah okay yeah I, I thought maybe ultimate they were gonna get rid of miles or something oh no just saying that like you know i mean it's just agreeing that you know this this bold new direction is hitting in the same time as like Nightcrawler's coming back from the dead, <laughs> Spider-Man's coming back. There's just all this, you know. So it kind of ruins it, you know. It's like, well, if you think of like, so having that perspective from my buddy who's you know never really read Dragon, it's his mind's like, well, is this real or you know? And if you remember back in the day, you know, Eric kind of did this in a way. I mean, he didn't say Dragon was dead, but. Remember when Dragon left the book and She-Dragon took over the title and the title actually changed to She-Dragon and that lasted like six issues and then, you know, Dragon was back in the book, you know? Right. Um, hmm. So I can see that point too. You might, you know, a new reader might be a little bit hesitant and it's not Eric's fault. I don't no, think that, that's the industry's fault. That, that's oh, yeah. that's yeah. the culture. Sadly. But it, it's, uh, you know, unfortunately, I think people might think that, you know. Self-fulfilling know my, my buddy was saying. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, he touched on that whole, it, you know, there's no hook to, to bring him back, right. you know, which we just talked about. And that's something I, even before he told me about that, that was something that I thought when I read the, the issue, there was, there was no, as he put it, uh, quote unquote, tune in next week. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Well, you go to, so would you, you tell your friend to go buy uh, 47 Ronin from Dark Horse if he needs a uh, Stan, so- Stan Saki fix. Yeah, All that's right. what he's doing. <laughs> Taking a break from rabbits to draw samurais. So, uh, Raven, what, what did uh, well, I snagged, talk to a couple of people? I snagged or? two opinions, actually. 
Um, this is going to be much more less in depth than yours because um, I just generally got like a verbal feel from them. Uh-huh. So I'm going to be paraphrasing. So it's not going to get too super in depth. But um, I did, you know, try to get people from different walks of, uh, you know, fandom. So the first person I got was actually uh, my girlfriend. Uh, she knows about Savage Dragon. I mean, if you're around me, it's kind of hard not to because I try to like, you know, push it on people. Uh, right. She also, you know, gets to sit here and listen to the FinCast. So she's listening to it right now. Oh. Like, <laughs> as we discuss about this. But, like, uh, you know, so she's unfortunately not coming to it at a complete vacuum. But at the same time, she's never actually picked up a Savage Dragon and read one even once. Despite the fact that, like, most of it's around. You know, she can get it if she wants uh, right. for free. So just, you know, jump in the comic boxes and there it is. Um, I think doesn't doesn't Eric say like his wife doesn't even read Savage Dragon though? And I think, <laughs> I, think I think that's said. common. Like uh, <laughs> a lot, like Kirkman's wife doesn't care about Walking Dead. Really? Yeah. I mean, he said that on. I thought that that was true in the past, and maybe had changed. But he was on Conan O'Brien and said the exact same thing. He said his wife does not care about comics. She does not care, <laughs> pay attention to his writing. Comic creators uh, on late night TV. What a world we live in. Beautiful, right? <laughs> but uh, no, so, so the thing is, is Stephanie um, is a comic. She, she reads some comics, though. She has things she likes. Uh, she reads Walking mm-hmm. Dead and was reading it years and years and years before it ever even had a glint of hope of being a TV show. So Cool before she, it was cool. Cool, exactly. We're zombie hipster <laughs> on that. Um, <laughs> she does like... Uh, just like different things, there's like some manga she likes. Like, uh, oh, Chew. She likes, she's correcting me. <laughs> she's helping me out here. She likes Chew uh, uh-huh. from Image. You guys know it's the uh, guy that eats things and gets the impression yep, off food. Yep. They're doing a revival crossover, isn't that? She writes Strangers in Paradise. Um, so she tends to Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. So she reads stuff. She so she's got good taste. She doesn't read a lot of, you know, tights and fights. And so right. that's cool because that was like I definitely wanted the opinion of somebody when she said she would like give me an opinion I was super jazzed because like this is the person I want to know like what does somebody who doesn't really read this kind of stuff uh, think for the most part she kind of like was in line with what we've discussed already um, she said that she felt that Malcolm himself wasn't particularly memorable or even likable uh, huh. that he didn't really convey a lot of personality in these pages. Um, she said that, you know, she got that it was a high school superhero and that, uh, you know, he was working with the cops. She thought that the baby was kind of weird. Uh, <laughs> you know, she, she was like, that's just a weird villain, you know, for him to have like a, a guy with a baby in his chest. Um, she didn't feel confused. Nothing yet. <laughs> she didn't feel confused or anything. Um, by, the that'll come in with my second guy's opinion, but uh, she didn't feel confused or anything by you know things that weren't explained. Uh, if you don't, if if you haven't like you know, and I don't think it had a place in this issue anyway. But like, there's absolutely no explanation really for why Dragon is like depowered and in prison, right? Mm-hmm. Or who Lorella is, or any of that stuff. But. Or repopulating the race. Like, that's all, like, really kind of weird stuff to just drop on a new reader. 
but she didn't really care about that. She just like rolled with the punches and assumed that that would be stuff she'd get later if she stuck around with it. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, you could get heavy-handed to explain everything, and I think it's up to, you know, if you liked what you read, you kind of go back and find out why they're talking about this. Well, that's, you'll see why I brought that up when I give you the, <laughs> second, give you the second guy's opinion. You'll be like, what? But like, uh, So she wasn't confused by things that weren't fully fleshed out. It's a first issue. She was down with all that stuff. Um, she thought the visuals were a touch confusing. She mentioned uh, the panel of Malkin jumping backwards in front of the stalker chick as something she just couldn't figure out looking at. Um, she just basically overall, like like everyone I talked to, said there was no hook. Um, so when yeah. it ended, she said that she didn't really feel like there would be a reason for her to like go out and buy it. But if it was around, she'd probably give it a try just to try it out. So, but again, that's kind of like, is that a comic buyer's opinion? Not quite, because I mean, it's going to be in the house anyway. So trying is as hard as just picking it up. So while I'm like, kind of like, it's cool that she did think that it was maybe worth giving a try again. She did say that it really isn't something she would probably like buy. So that's opinion number one. Opinion number two was from a co-worker, and I, I don't know if he cares if I use his name, so I'm just going to call him Joe. But uh, <laughs> who knows? I don't know. You know, Joe. I discussed it with him, and he didn't say, don't use my name. But like, <laughs> I'm just going to be... I don't want people to know I read this. <laughs> I am Joe. <laughs> We've protected Joe's identity. No, but Joe, basically, he uh, is kind of your typical like superhero kind of fan. Um, he does read mainstream like Marvel, DC, stuff like that. Likes he's super into all geek culture, like Star Wars, Back to the Future, like buys Lego kits of like Back to the Future, and like he, this guy's like comic shop into it, right? Uh-huh. Okay, his opinion was <laughs> much more negative. <laughs> oh jeez, infinitely more negative. He hated everything about this issue. Really? Oh dear. He hated the art from the cover, which I gave him the McFarlane cover. Uh-huh. So he hated the cover. He, he hated the... Uh, Why did you give him the McFarlane cover? Because I want to keep the Larson cover for me. <laughs> you know how like those you had to order like five issues to get the McFarlane cover? Really? <laughs> yeah, I could, I could get it. Those things are tough to come by. Yeah, I can. He didn't like it, so I could get it back if he hasn't thrown it away. Should get it back. <laughs> I had to get mine on eBay because they. Uh, Are you serious? Because I'm a completist, and Diamond didn't give my shop, uh, even though they ordered five. Something happened, and they got shorted. My comment guy but, said, "Do you want the McFarlane cover?" And I said, "Not if I have to pay extra or anything." And he said, "It's a buck more." And I was like, "Okay, I'll take it." I feel like a d bag. Well, I'll get it back. I'll get it back. Whatever. You're not. You're not <laughs> contributing to the whole variant culture. You're just in it for good stories. <laughs> I got both covers. The other guy, he he hated everything. Um, he was confused. Bastard. He was confused by everything. He. Uh, I know that you guys are gonna laugh, right? You would think that uh, when they say things like, "Do you have a date for homecoming?" 
Uh, are you going to try out for the football team or whatever? But he didn't know if Malcolm was in high school or college. Huh. And because Malcolm lives alone, that's what threw him off. Yep. That's a bit He's, of a weird yeah. situation. He said, Uncommon. he said he lives alone. He said, so, I mean, I didn't know. He said, was he in college or high school? And I was like, geez, I guess homecoming does apply to both. So does, he says he's a sophomore. I mean, they're eating in a cafeteria, but you also do that in college. Mm-hmm. I guess I didn't think of it because I just knew he was in high school. Stephanie wasn't confused by it, but I mean, you know, gotta be fair. I can see that. It doesn't say high school anywhere in the issue. I looked through. Well, I mean, how many 14 or 15 year olds, you know, live on their own? I mean, I know yeah, it th- is a that, comic, That's but... kind of the weird bit is he li- he's living on his own, but he, you know, is a superhero, but... I don't know. That is kind of a that is kind of a conceit for the book. Furthermore, <laughs> my my longtime superhero uh, fan he liked uh, he liked Tantrum. He loved the design, but he didn't so much. He was shocked that Tantrum got killed. He was kind of like also shocked that Malcolm seemed to show no real remorse or anything. Mm-hmm. He. Uh, harped on the same panel that everybody's harped on at this point. He, <laughs> so I'm not even going to bring it up. He harped on the fact that there was no cliffhanger. He said there was zero reason for him to come back. Um, he said there was no memorable, like no hint at, uh, uh you know what? I know you're going to laugh, but I'm um, again, we just got to think of these things. He was like, there's no real origin to it. He's like, why, why is this guy strong? He's like, what, what, why is he strong? Why is his dad strong? He's like, did his dad have to give him his powers? He's like, yeah, with his penis. <laughs> that is the best line ever. That should be the tag for this fincast. <laughs> he got his powers from his dad's penis. <laughs> no, but I mean, I know it seems crazy, but I mean, from the opinion of somebody who's never read any of this comic at all these were genuine things he thought so i have to be and he's not this is what's funny is this guy is not he doesn't even know anything about image so you can't say he's bringing like image prejudice to the table Hmm. yeah he doesn't know what image is he likes marvel and dc and he's not read any image so it's not like he hates image you know and this is like image hate this is just plain good old fashioned first impression. Hmm. So this guy was super uh, not happy. He said there was no reason for him to read it again. He didn't care about the character or anything. He said he didn't give a crap about pinups. Uh, he, he would have cared if there was more comics. So, and I will just say from talking to him that um, perhaps if you are introducing uh, new readers to this book for the first time, it is handy to mention that the book takes place in real time because that's not actually in there anywhere. And I know there's no way for the characters to say that in a natural fashion. Hey, I live in real time. <laughs> yeah. it's not, I'm not like Superman who's never going to get old. I've grown up. But, I mean, I guess at the beginning of the letters column, that would be the place to say it. I don't know. They could have put, during the flashback, put, like, five years ago. Or, like, put a date on it. And then that would have suggested that dates matter. Like, date it. Like, 
like 2003 maybe four that actually might have been a good like I'm not, uh, yeah. solution i, I mean, guess i think that it was like kind of overcritical for him well to it say. sounds like he's overcritical a little bit but i think he brings fair confusion opi- at least yeah, opinions and point of view and confusion that are legitimate um, it, I, it I, do, I, can, I can say I understand where he's coming from with not gelling to Eric's artwork as it currently is. Um, yeah, he really did not. I mean, I I'm think, being nice and leaving out like he just talked yeah. smack. He was not happy with the art at all. Eric's Max. current style is very loose. And I know a few fans would rather it be tighter like it used to be. But and I think. I think that might be the hardest sell to new readers is, is Eric's current art style because it's not like most comics. Yeah. I mean, I also wanted to say I wasn't super thrilled with the coloring this issue. I thought it was a little bit too dull. Nothing really popped. And I see we we were really coming down hard on this book. Yeah. But you, you know what I want to say? Like, I think, like I said in the beginning, like at first I had that reaction, and then I was like, "Well, it's aimed at newer people." And I know we had a few that people that said, uh, you know, they didn't like it. I know my buddy said, for the most part, he thought it was a pretty good read. He just, you know, wasn't sure about there not being any kind of hook at the end. Um, but if you look online, there's at least four or five um, out of like the six or seven. Say four out of six reviews I've read that people really are amped about it, and it's pretty amazing. Like I know it was so funny because I was expecting more positive feedback because the reviews were glowing. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, what were the negative? Reviews? It got a what lot of negative good reviews. reviews. Say a lot of the same thing. I think some of the stuff that that we said, yeah, but the the there was a, a bunch of them people coming back to the book after being away for a while and, well, and saying. Uh, Here's one of them, uh, Rhymes with Geek. They said, uh, overall, Savage Dragon is a comic that revels in the old school while still appealing to the new generation too. You're safe to come on board with Savage Dragon on this new era. At this point, I'm honestly unsure as to where this is going, but I'm willing to see what Savage Dragon is in store for me going forward. I've missed Savage Dragon more than I realized. I would give Savage Dragon a chance. Larson overall did a good job making this readily accessible. And it seems to kind of echo a few. There was... uh, ComicBastards.com had a good review. Fanboy Factor had a good review. Um, there were a couple others. Uh, it reviewed like crazy. Yeah. I mean, I was like, yeah, I, I, I saw a lot of positive reviews as well. But I think, I think ultimately, what you have to do here is take this issue and you got to compare it to miniseries issue number one. And issue number one of the miniseries gave us basically an origin story. It gave us introduced the main villain group, and it ended on a cliffhanger. And it really roped you into coming back for issue number two. And I feel that this issue isn't as strong as Savage Dragon miniseries number one, and I think that is the problem. That's uh, yeah. that's where I ended up. Um, I got off. I cooled my jets off my knee jerk rage, not rage, but like my knee jerk opinion. Rage. Ooh, damn damn this you, pre- Larson. Why is this not perfect? <laughs> No, no, I just, I, I cooled my jets, but it was like, at the same time, you're, I think you hit the nail on the head 100%. If you compare this to other number ones, even from other image titles, other number ones, like 
they're gonna end in a hook. They're gonna. I don't know. I will say I don't think Invincible number one ended on a on a hook. Um, Invincible number. I can't even remember. Yeah, I vaguely remember. Basically, he busts up some bad guys, and then his dad shows up, or maybe not. It just I don't recall it ending on a hook. So I don't. I think some. It is possible. It, I believe it is possible to do a done in one story as an issue number one as an introduction. Right. I um, get what's funny is like I said, I totally get what he did. He went for the passing of the guard. Like instead right. of doing the hook, this was a handoff. Right. Yeah. So. But like like you said, you could have had the last page like you know Dart in the shadows watching Malcolm unpack boxes or something you know something like oh like what's gonna happen or with her saying you know saying something like you know now's my chance or you know something I don't know like oh, you something so kill you corny, or something like that yeah you gotta wonder <laughs> but, if Dart you know, even gives but, a shit about Malcolm yeah. I don't know, like just something to pull you in, like some villain, like like you said, showing up in the last like, like, panel. Like or... Tantrum, maybe maybe Tantrum is that Skull Guy's agent or something, and like you see him as setting up whatever he does next or something. Or I don't know, it's, yeah. But yeah, that, I think that's what ultimately this issue is lacking: it is a legitimate hook to rope in the new readers. If, right, right. If right. I had to strip away everything else, I would even say. That everything else is totally forgivable, like even like occasional wonkiness of art, like you yeah. know uh, pacing, all that's forgivable. But what's I kind of just can't get away from is I just think it needed a hook just to make people want yeah. to step in for that next issue. My the thing I'm a little bit like ugh, about is I wanted this to be the issue that I could hand out. Yeah. Like you knew to dragon, you want to try dragon? Try this issue. Yeah. And I don't really want to give this issue out as the one to try. I think there's going to be other. I think there's other issues. Like even though it's not as clean a jumping on point, if I want to wow somebody about Savage Dragon, for me this wasn't it. It but it lacked a wow factor too. Yeah. Yeah. Like I remember like issue ones of other series like uh, – oh, you're going to just laugh. I don't know. People, some people love it. Some people hated it. But like issue one of Wanted, like yeah. I gave that to some of my buddies and they were hooked. Yeah, they couldn't yeah. wait. Yeah. This doesn't have a wow factor. Oh, well. Well, it, you know, we've got to be honest here. Yeah. If, if we just uh, – if we just kissed his butt on everything, you know, this wouldn't be an interesting podcast. So yeah, this is probably the worst you know, reviewed issue can't. since uh, Jets killed the. Uh, oh, oh God! Yeah, <laughs> man, that was that was an issue, uh, and it's a heartbreaker too. Because, like I said, this is the issue that you want to be one of the best because you want to hook someone on this. And I think you know, I don't want to pan this book, and, and it's not. It's. I think it's more of a. This is a average not an average but not a superior kind of savage dragon book but it's not completely awful no no absolutely you know what not. i'm saying it's, it's just but, it, but just as because fans it's, as fans we like what it presented because we like malcolm already we're already into him right so right. we appreciate it but the problem is we, we we don't see it having larger appeal which is what we want I think if this wasn't kind of promoted as, you know, the issue, the first new issue in a bold new direction and really the the torch, passing of the, the torch to, to Malcolm, that this reaction wouldn't be as negative. Yeah, it's got a lot of weight to carry, and that definitely is like um, the opinion 
I mean, that's definitely what's swaying our opinions anyway, like in the way they are, is if this wasn't, you know, if this didn't carry the burden of of supposing to be your great jump on point. Like you said, you give it to a new buddy and go, here you go, check it out. Yeah. But it does. (laughs) So the question remains, uh, like, I mean, the thing is, is that like it could still easily, I mean, Invincible puttered along until Omni-Man's big twist. Yeah, that's true. It started out pretty middling, average superhero teenager story. I didn't try it. I mean, I wasn't on board with it right off the bat. I was on board only because I read Tech Jacket, and I knew Kirkman could write superheroes well. Yeah, it was the same way. Once I heard about the twist, which I hate to have it like ruined for me, but like the twist brought me on. So, Yeah, Yeah, the twist was definitely a changing point in that series. I'll, I'll give you that. It definitely so made it more about what it really is about. I know that. Well, I know that. I'll just ahead. like. Uh, I guess I'm sorry. I'll just end it and say that like um, this book could sell itself if it was uh, ham fisted a bit. Because when I told my new guy, um, Joe, <laughs> when I told Joe about the uh, real time comic progression, yeah, he thought that was awesome. Hmm. Yeah, he was like, "Oh man, you know that that is cool." You know, um, so, I mean, don't be afraid to mention that, you know, mention that in the letters column or the press release or something. Well, the cool thing is this is issue 193 and we're getting really close to 200. So I'm hoping Eric has something really cool planned for 200 that's building up to that, that when we get to that, you can say, well, look back and be like, wow, you know. That was an amazing arc between 93 and 200, you know, Malcolm's first, like, big arc or whatever it is, you know, or for two, second arc or whatever. But, you know, it's pretty exciting that 200 is, like, right around the corner. Um, you know. Yep, it's going oh, yeah. to be an interesting year because 200 hopefully will be out by December. Hopefully we'll make it that far. Seven issues, right. I'll yeah. say yes. So, yeah, I think he's been averaging like nine issues a year or something. Yeah. So. so it's likely we'll see it this year. So this year, this first Malcolm arc in issue 200 is going to be a very interesting year to follow. Yeah, it'll be cool. I'm looking forward to it. I feel bad. This episode seems like a downer. But again, <laughs> we got to be honest. We, gotta be it, we did have deep some down. good. Yeah, we had to be honest. But, you know, the issue did have some good parts to it. And Oh, yeah. Um, why don't we uh why don't we talk about what's coming up on uh Savage Dragon one ninety four? Well Savage Dragon, the next generation. Malcolm Dragon has big shoes to fill. His father saved the world on a few occasions and kept Chicago's notorious criminal organization, the vicious circle at bay for decades. Can the younger dragon hope to live up to the legacy of his famous father? Not if the new nemesis Torment has anything to say about it. With a benevolent voice in one ear and a sadistic one in the other, he may just be the most conflicted killer of them all. And Malcolm, <laughs> I always said savage. Right? <laughs> and Malcolm Dragon is the only one standing in the path of this fearsome new foe. Da-da-dum. That'll be an interesting issue. That's that's the one with the cover with the guy with the two faces for horns. He has a great visual. Yes. Yeah. Jumping around the building tops. He's like, I I can't remember the cover exactly, but he's smashing Malcolm into one, right? I think so. Like he's using him for like a club. 
If you end on a positive, if you want to end on a positive note, I mean, it's real easy. We know this book has all kinds of awesome stuff in store for people who stick around. Uh, Amen. And I mean, there's just the Brenda Funk thing, the guy that gives people powers who looks like Shao Kahn from Mortal Kombat. Um, there's Dart. just Dart. Good Lord, Dart. There's the whole thing with all the heroes leaving Chicago and forming an SOS in DC. I mean, there's just tons and there's the new vicious circle remember the young kids they're oh, out there right. somewhere yep. there's vanguard and his guardian his galaxy version floating around in space yeah so there's just a butt ton of amazing things that are out there and it can swing around and be awesome so quick and for the most part it seems like everybody pretty much dug it i mean if you believe reviews yeah. Yeah, and you know, I, I mean, I, I don't think people go out of their way to write about Savage Dragon if they didn't really believe what they were writing. It's not like it's, you know, uh, I don't know, Superior Spider-Man or something like that. It's like you're not going to really write about Savage Dragon unless you really want to talk about it. So I, I believe what those guys are saying in their reviews. Um, so, you know, I, I think we're a little down on it. We... But it gives me hope to read reviews where people are like really excited to come back to Savage Dragon. So, and in addition, I mean, it's just a matter of like you're just not gonna please everybody. I mean, right. the reviewers clearly like dug it and dug it and loved it, and you know, we didn't all out hate it. The oh, no. only reason we're holding it to high standards is because I mean, hell, we know what the book can do. We can so, do. So this book can do amazing, amazing things. This was not, you know, it's the usual like performance, but that doesn't mean it was bad. It just wasn't what it needed to be. Very cool. Well, I think that does it for another uh, FinCast episode. Yep. See you next time. See ya. See you later. The Savage FinCast is hosted by the Gutter Trash Podcast Network which can be found at guttertrash.net. The Savage Fincast is proud to be members of the Comic Addiction Family of Podcasts and the Comics Podcast Network, which can be found at comicaddiction.net and comicspodcast.com. Uh-huh.